faith in the Spirit. Walk by faith in the Spirit. We, we see that this is a, a combining together of, of two different uh, truths that we find in the Scriptures where, of course, we're instructed to walk by faith, not by sight. But then we also see that we're instructed to walk in the Spirit. And what we see, of course, is that the only way to walk in the Spirit is to walk by faith. <laughs> you can't walk uh, by fear and doubt and unbelief and in the Spirit at the same time. So walk by faith in the Spirit. Now, we also looked at a passage last Sunday morning out of Ezekiel 33.10 where uh, a question was asked, how then shall we now live? How then shall we now live? And God's people had gone into exile and so much had changed in their lives and circumstances. And so they're asking, you know, God, crying out to God, you know, how, how do we adjust? How, how do we accommodate? How, how do we live uh, giving given the idea that, that so much in our lives has changed. And they recognized that if they were going to make it through what they were experiencing, that some things were going to have to adjust in their daily lives and in their daily walk. Now, I made a statement last Sunday, and I want to clarify it. And I think you probably were spiritually mature enough and, and biblically uh, you know, based enough to know. But as I was listening to this sermon, I was listening to last Sunday's sermon, and I just want to make sure, when I say Jesus changed everything, Jesus changed everything, um, certainly the scriptures support that Jesus came to change everything. But as it relates to you, as it relates to you as an individual, your spirit was born again. Your spirit is what's born again. Amen. Your spirit, when the Bible says that you became a new creation in Christ Jesus, that old things passed away and behold, everything became new. What he's talking about there is everything pertaining to your born again spirit. Your soul was not born again. Your body was not born again. We see that our salvation began with the rebirth of our spirit. We're now in the progressive work of the renewing of our minds, the reconditioning of our souls, if you will. And then the Bible says our salvation will be complete when our mortal body becomes immortal. This is why the scriptures speak of your salvation in three different verb tenses. The same Bible that says you have been saved says you are being saved. And the same Bible that says you have been saved, are being saved, says you shall be saved. And the only way you'll ever understand that is if you understand that you are a spirit, you have a soul, you live in a body, your spirit has been saved, your soul is being saved, your body will be saved. And aren't you glad that he who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the coming of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ? So when I say he changed everything, I want to make sure that we understand that changing everything you know, how that actually looks. And, and because what we see now is that discipleship is about this process of the renewing of the reconditioning of the mind. Now, how then shall we now live? How, how do we do this on a daily basis given our current conditions and circumstances? Things have changed. How do we adjust the way we live to accommodate the change now, again, in listening to the sermon, I thought, well, you know, there were some key things here that I, I didn't cover last week. And so I want to make sure we, we bring those along with us as we move forward. So when we say current conditions and circumstances, things have changed. How do we adjust the way we live to accommodate the change in our current conditions and circumstances? Notice that when you hear current conditions and circumstances, we tend to think what is going on around us, current conditions and circumstances, are now hopefully... We're growing past this, but most born-again believers, when a preacher gets in the pulpit and starts talking about current conditions and circumstances, the first thing we think about is what's going on around us. But the first thing we should think about is not what's going on around us, 
but what is going on inside of us. Amen. Not what's going on externally, but what's going on internally. So when we ask the question, how then shall we now live? How then shall we now live? You do realize in in an odd sort of way that that we are in exile. Um, This world is not our home. We are in this world, but we are not of it. We are citizens of heaven. We, We are citizens, registered citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And we are ambassadors for our homeland here in this world on assignment. Amen. We are here for a purpose, to fulfill a purpose. And so the question then for us is how then shall we now live given our current circumstances and conditions, not, again, externally first, but internally. Because what God has done inside of us is nothing short of miraculous. Internal versus external. Inward man versus outward man. The Bible has a lot to say about this. I want to show you this verse, 1 John 4, 4. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them. Pay very close attention to the verb tense. The verb tense here is past tense. He's saying that you have already overcome uh, battles that you haven't faced yet. You are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. See, we, we pay so much attention to what's going on in the world around us and how it might affect us and interest rates are going up and the economy seems to be going down and uh, politics are, are, you know, can't seem to get on the same page and the government seems to have so many issues and problems and, uh, you know, what's this going to do? Are we in a recession? Are we headed for a depression? What about global warming? What about this? What about that? Hurricane season? So all these things going on around us, right? And, and if we allow ourselves, we will focus on the, the things that are external and never understand the things that are internal. So the, what he's saying here is no matter what is going on around you, no matter how much pressure from the outside is, is being applied to you from the outside in, he who is in you is greater than anything that will ever exist on the outside of you. Now, the scriptures teach us that we were designed to live from the inside out. Most people on planet earth are trying to live from the outside in. What does that mean, living from the inside out as opposed to living from the outside in? When we have this outside to inside approach to life, we're looking for the things that we want and need around us on the outside of us, trying to figure out how to draw them into us. We're trying to figure out how to get from the external what we want and need on the internal, right? See, the Bible says if you delight yourself in the Lord, He'll give you the desires of your heart. But when we live from an outside to inside approach, we see this completely opposite. We think if we can just get what um, uh, the desires of our heart, we'll be delighted. Are you seeing the difference here? He says, delight yourself in the Lord. That's an internal condition, right? Where where within yourself, you you have an understanding of who you are and what you've been given and and, and whose you are. And, And the more we understand these things, right, and delight ourselves in those things, Father then is able because we we're, we're, we're honor Him and He can honor those who honor Him, right? We position ourselves for Him to be able to give us the things that, that we desire, but also change the desires that we have to things. Anybody in here ever wanted something that when you got it, you realized you didn't really want that or need that at all, right? So He'll even help clarify the desires um, that, that we have and bring them into alignment to the things that He has prepared for us. So we were designed to live from the inside out, Most people are trying to live from the outside in in the sense that they're looking in the world around them for what they want and need. And and so because of this, we we become insecure. Because of this, if we're not careful, we will manipulate other people, uh, blame other people. 
you realize how many marriages have ended because uh, one spouse didn't receive from another spouse what they could only receive from God? But they're looking for what they need out of somebody else rather than from the inside out, rather than being the, the spouse that, that their spouse uh, deserves and needs and requires. Amen. Uh, we're too focused on what we're trying to get from them and out of them to satisfy our own wants and our own needs. Now, walking by faith in the Spirit then means living your life with a constant awareness of who and what is inside of you. One more time, walking by faith in the Spirit. What does this mean? It means a lot of things. One of the things it means is that you live your life with a constant awareness of who and what is inside of you. The inward man, not the outward man. The inward man of the heart, not the outward man of the flesh. This, this part of you that, that has been perfected, this part of you that, that has been blessed, this part of you that has been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, this part of you that has been given the kingdom of God, this part of you that is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when He comes to live in you, He comes to live in you forever. Now Philemon tells us to acknowledge every good thing that's in us. Acknowledge every good thing that's in you. Do you realize how hard the devil has tried your entire life to convince you that you're no good, that you're good for nothing, Amen. So no good means you're good for nothing, means there's, there's nothing that good or positive that you can do. Right? And he's tried to convince you that you're full of, of, of bad things and evil things and wrong things. Well, Jesus, when he came in, he removed all of that. And he put good things in you. He filled you with good things. And so the Bible says that we have to acknowledge every good thing that's in us. Well, it's hard to acknowledge what you have no knowledge of. Amen. Let me say that again. It's hard to acknowledge what you have no knowledge of. Now, you can have knowledge of something but not acknowledge it, okay? To acknowledge it means to, to claim it. To acknowledge it means yes, right? That's me. That belongs to me. That's who I am. That was given to me. Now, watch this. Watch this. Satan is betting on you responding to external circumstances without ever acknowledging internal realities. That's a lot of words right there, but that's powerful if if you'll understand this. See, the Bible says we cannot be ignorant of the devil's devices lest he gain an advantage over us. And we've got to understand how the devil operates and how he tries to manipulate us, how he tries to uh, trick us and deceive us, because he can't mess up your life without your cooperation. So we we have to understand the strategies, the schemes, the the devices that he uses. And one of the things that he bets on, when I say bets on, he's he's counting on you and me not responding based upon internal realities, but instead to respond to things in the world as the world responds to things in the world. So one more time, Satan is betting on you responding to external circumstances Circumstance is whatever's standing around you in a circle. Amen? Whatever it is that, that you're dealing with in this life, in this world, that, that's applying pressure to you, that's asking you know, annoying questions to you, that's trying to, to divide your focus, that's trying to cause you stress and anxiety, and anxiety in the heart leads to depression. These are the things that Satan is trying to use because he's the prince of this world. He's, he is the ruler of this world. And so he... he Remember what we said, that if you live your life based upon the way things appear, Satan can manipulate the way things appear, and therefore he can manipulate you, all right? So this is how he operates. This is how he functions. And he does this betting on you responding. Remember, response, uh, first thing is, is, is something, you respond to it by words, what you're going to say, and then the next response is how you act, okay? 
So saying and doing, saying and doing, saying and doing. And Satan is betting on you speaking and acting to external circumstances without ever acknowledging internal realities. Brother Jesse Duplantis talks about when the Lord spoke to him the second time. The first time he spoke to him about giving away all his money. And he said, I, I was ignorant in those days. I, I didn't know. I thought to be a Christian meant to be poor. And so the Lord asked me to give away all my money. I, he said, I gave it all away. It's no problem. You know. He said, then, you know, a while later I began to learn about these things. And he said, I you know, came up with, you know, had money and a house and a mortgage and car payment and money in the bank and all sorts of stuff. He said, Lord spoke to him to do it again. He said, it was a lot harder the second time than it was the first time. Right? And, and this was the thing, though, that was the tipping point for him, is these thoughts kept coming up in him. How are you going to do this? What are you going to do about this? How are you going to pay this? And he recognized that those were not his thoughts and they were not God's thoughts, that they were thoughts coming from another source, right, that was trying to manipulate him and, and trying to get him in fear, out of faith, walking by faith in the Spirit, responding negatively to these things, right? And, and, and so he did it. And, of course, he's one of the most blessed men uh, alive today on planet Earth and would do it again right now if, if the Lord asked him to. I'm fully convinced of that. But, again, see, he acknowledged the internal realities. Satan was hoping that he would never consider who he is and, and, and what God has done for him and what God has given to him. All right? Now, I'm going to say it again. Satan is betting on you responding to external circumstances without ever acknowledging internal realities. Let's not do that anymore. Let's not do that anymore, okay? How many times did the disciples respond to a new crisis like yesterday's miracles never happened? How many times did the disciples respond to a new crisis, to a new problem, to a new situation like yesterday's miracles never happened? If you read the Bible carefully, there was more than one storm that threatened their lives. If you read the Bible carefully, there was, and this is all that we know is recorded we know of two separate occasions that, that storms threaten their lives. We know of two distinct occasions where massive amounts of people were fed with just a little bit of food. These are the only ones that we know recorded. John said that if everything Jesus did was recorded, there wouldn't be room enough to contain the volumes. Okay? But notice now, the first time, all right, so I understand maybe you're not, you're not recognizing how this works. But then you come upon another group of people who are tired, they're way out in the middle of nowhere, been listening to Jesus preach and teach and minister, you know, all day, and, um, and it's time to feed them. They acted like they had never seen Jesus feed a bunch of people with a little bit of food before. Are you with me? Like they had already, they, they had already watched it and seen it once. So this is what I mean. Satan is, Satan is betting on you forgetting all that God's done for you. He's betting on you forgetting all the times God's seen you through, all the times He's been there for you, all the times He's worked in your life. But see, when you look at a little shepherd boy named David, right? Teenage shepherd boy named David, however old he was when all that happened, went down with Goliath, right? Did he forget about the bear? Did he forget about the lion? Did he forget about all those times he spent with God uh, in, in the wee hours of the morning strumming on his harp, singing, worshiping, praising him? No, he did not. No, he did not. Now listen, every... Every man in the Israeli army hunkered down in, in, a, in a foxhole listening to Goliath defy them and their God for day on, days on end. Every one of them had some kind of experience with God, I believe, whether they acknowledged that or not. 
He makes the sun shine on the, on the just and the unjust. In other words, God is good to people who aren't good to him. Amen. Anybody besides me look, look back on times in your life when now you see it was the hand of God and you weren't just lucky and it wasn't just a coincidence and you weren't just a good driver, but it was God. Amen. But if there was nothing personal in their lives, they, they had all the heroes of faith in the Old Testament that God had been there for to look back on. But see, again, Goliath, Satan manipulating and, and operating through Goliath, he was betting on them um, not remembering yesterday's miracles. Now, last week we talked a little bit about this idea of repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. And we said the call to repent is a call for a significant shift. And we, we said that things have changed, meaning they're no longer as they once were, but if you continue thinking and responding as if things are the way they've always been, you'll be left behind. And we used examples of brick-and-mortar retailers that were left behind when, the huge, uh, when huge portions of shopping went digital. I'm not going to try to go back over all that, but that's, that's just a, a natural example of, of what we're talking about. And so we said this, when it changes, the way you see it must change to keep up. When it changes, the way you see it must change to keep up. And we use the example of righteousness. The standard of righteousness has never changed. But the way to acquire that standard has. The only standard of righteousness that's ever been accepted by God the Father is Jesus' standard of righteousness because His desire is for you to be as Jesus is to Him. The only standing with God the Father that is acceptable to Him is the standard of righteousness that is in Christ Himself. This is why Jesus paid the ultimate price to give to you and me as a gift and make us the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Now, before righteousness was earned through obedience to the law, but that's not how it works anymore. It has changed. So many in the body of Christ still view being right with God in the eyes of God according to the old method instead of the new gift. The Bible says being ignorant of the gift of righteousness, what do they do? They continue to strive and work to try to make themselves righteous without ever understanding that it's not about striving and working now. It's about submitting. It's about humbling yourself. It's about acknowledging, you know what? I could try for a thousand years and never do this myself. How arrogant and how prideful for me to think that I can make my own self right before God and worthy before God. And so instead we humble ourselves and receive that gift of righteousness. Amen. You still with me? Now, you cannot live better than your best thinking. And this is where I'm trying to shift. A lot of this, sometimes when I work on sermons, I, I start at this point and work forward. But of late, I've been starting at this point and working backwards. And I do that a lot too. You say, well, why are you working backwards? I'm working backwards because if I just start here, there are a lot of people who aren't going to be on the same page with me because there's a lot of things that you've got to understand in order to understand this. Now, I want to introduce a, a new verse to you. The Scripture says in Isaiah that the wisdom of God, the truth of God, the Word of God is built into your life. Are you ready? Line upon line, line upon line. I know sometimes I'm repetitive, but I'm quoting the verse now. I, we'll put it on the screen later. Line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, precept upon precept. 
So why is, it, why is it written that way? Well, think about natural learning. Think about natural learning. You, you, you can't do algebra until you can do multiplication and division. You can't do multiplication and division until you can do adding and subtracting. You can't do adding and subtracting until you, until you understand the value of numbers. You can't understand the value of numbers until you learn your numbers. You, are you understand what I'm saying? In other words, there, there's certain things that have to be in place first. Um, Daniel, of course, grown young man now, but when he was little, he, he, he stood up in front of me one time, real straight and tall. He said, Uncle Mark, I learned how to count. And I was like, let me hear it, big guy. And he starts just hollering out random numbers, seven, four, three, you know. And so he, was he counting? No. Was he precious? Yes. Okay. But he wasn't counting, right? So notice he learned his numbers, but now numbers have a value, which means one has something to do with two, two has something to do with three. And, and so, but you've got to learn the numbers before you can learn their value. You've got to learn the value before you can add and subtract them. You've got to know how to add and subtract them before you can multiply and divide them. You've got to learn how to multiply and divide them before you can do the algebra and, and on from there. Are you following this? So this is the idea of line upon line, line upon line. So why would I ever start a sermon here instead of going forward, start a sermon here and go backwards? Well, it's because there's some lines of things that you need to understand so that what the Holy Spirit is desiring to say to you right now will have something to rest upon in your heart or else it'll sail right over your head. Is this making sense to you? And what is the number one? Well, I say it this way. The, the number one way Satan steals the word from you is he steals 100% of the word from you that you never hear. But the second way that he steals the word from you is he steals it from people who don't understand it. And I appreciate those of you who've been around here for 25 years or more that have, have uh, you know, been patient uh, with with my multiple uh, reviews and, and and repetition, repetition's the mother of learning. You didn't learn your ABCs first time you heard them. Amen. And there are times. Listen to me now. Some of you have been in these classes. There are times when I'll teach on something for three weeks, and then ask a question about it, and everybody sits here and looks at me. You know. So I'm like, you know what? I guess we need three more weeks on this. Amen. Amen. I had one lady come up to me one time. She says, Pastor Mark, I've got to be honest with you. I was just getting so tired of you saying, I'm like, Lord, I wish somebody in this room would go ahead and get this so he could move on to something else. And he said, in that moment, the Holy Spirit said, you're the one who hadn't got it yet. You're the one. And she came up to me in tears. She said, I realized it was me. It was me. Amen. All right. So we're, we're not just up here to say something because we want to have something to say. There, there's a, a reason and a purpose. And, and I'll, I'll, so from time to time, I'll even tell you, okay, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're talking about it now. But this is where we're headed. Let me, let me tell you where we're headed, okay? And we got to this point last week where this, this mindset, this thinking, this what we're calling an operating system, amen? An operating system which determines how we operate, Okay? This is the Lord. The Lord spoke this to me this week when I was doing some more meditating and writing and, and, and study on this. Long, He said that most people on planet Earth have a mammon-based operating system. Okay. Now, for those of you who understand computers, you've got this concept of a Windows-based operating system, right? And that's the overwhelming majority of of computers in the world. There are other. Uh, you know, niche type operating systems that are very sophisticated for, for computers, but the, you know, Bill Gates' dream of a computer on every desk and in every home in America and, and coming up with an operating system that would make it user-friendly, 
Um, if anybody remembers computers before Windows, amen, um, you, know, you just sit there like, what is all this jibber-jabber, right? Who, who knows what this is? Amen. But then he made it where you could click a button with a, with a mouse and enter in stuff, and the computer would help you. And, of course, it's you know, been on like Donkey Kong ever since, all right? Okay. So, but then you have uh, Mac, Apple computers, and they have a, a Mac operating system. It's different from the Windows-based operating system. Well, human beings have an operating system. We, we were designed... Listen to me now. We were designed for the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God to be our operating system, okay? But when we lost our connection with God, power and tower, right? We lost our signal and we lost our power, amen? We, we substituted in, we patched in an operating system to get by. And what's developed over the course of, of human history is it's been programmed into us. Watch this now. It's, I don't know... I don't know enough about writing computer code to speak intelligently about it, okay? I have done it a little bit, okay? Um, when I say a little bit, that's really, can the camera see? I mean, make it a little smaller, okay? When, uh, when the Lord helped me build the church website, I had to, um, had to write some computer code. And, and um, again, lots of YouTube videos on how to do it. But basically what the code is, is the code, the code is, is something, thanks to Windows and, and those kinds of operating system, the code is stuff you never see. You just see the user-friendly interface that the code produces, okay? But everything about a website is determined by a language, a code, the colors that you see, everything on it. Like if you want if you, if you uh, um, you know, to, to change the background color of something, then the code that determines that background color, how the system functions, how it looks, it has to be changed. Okay, some of you know this, know more about it than I do. Others, again, you say, well, Pastor Mark, we, we don't really care about computers. Why are you talking about all this? Because it's, it's another example of what God is trying to do in us. Do you realize that, that God speaks in code? Do you realize that your eyes are the color they are because of a code written in every gene, every, every cell in, in your body? The shape of your fingernails, the color of your skin, um, the length of your fingers and toes. and all, all, Every bit of that is determined by a code called DNA. It's fascinating. It's fascinating. Okay. Now, do you understand DNA? Some of you understand more about it than, than, than others. I guarantee you my daughter understands it about as well as anybody in this room. She teaches biology, amen? But the bottom line of it is, you know, you don't, you don't understand the code that, that determines, you know, somebody whose hair turns gray, somebody whose hair stays whatever, you know. Um, but again, that's written. It's written in DNA. Line upon line, you hearing me? Line upon line. Precept upon precept. So like when I'm sitting here trying to figure out how to change something on the website, I need some lines of code. Are you following me? I need some lines of code to change it or to produce it or to create it. Amen. So now here I go trying to figure out how to do those lines of code. Amen. But the lines of code, they go in line upon line upon line. Amen. Just like the Bible says, the Word of God goes into you line upon line, 
line upon line, lines of code, capital C-O-D-E, lines of Holy Scripture, lines of anointed Word of God, lines of things that, that God is trying to rewrite the operating system, the mindsets, the attitudes, the thoughts, amen, that govern and determine the words that we speak and the way we act and the way we respond. Amen. See, if you have the operating system of a child, the operating system of a child, Paul said, when I was a child, I spoke like a child because I understood like a child and I understood like a child because I thought like a child. But his operating system changed. He put away childish things, became a man. If you think, understand, and speak like a child, you will never live like a full-grown adult. The operating system will not produce that experience and reality in your life. Amen. Are you with me? All right, now, the other side of that, though, watch this now. The other side of that is in the same way that Father God is trying to write His code, His truth code, amen, into your life, line upon line, line upon line, precept upon precept, here a little, there a little, here a little, there a little. Listen to me. We are receiving downloads from the Holy Spirit this morning. I pray and believe and continue to confess that as I'm standing up here speaking, you're not just hearing me speak, but you're hearing Him speak. That He's saying things to you. He's connecting things for you. Something that, that the Holy Spirit inspires me to say triggers something on the inside of you that you read or heard or have been curious about or been thinking about. And now all of a sudden, there's this whole internal dialogue going on inside of you. Let me tell you what's happening. The Holy Spirit is reprogramming your mind. In these moments, that's what's happening here. But in the same way that Father God, with your cooperation, He'll never do this without your cooperation because He didn't create you to program you and, and make you because this is how powerful your thoughts are. This is how powerful your thinking is. Your thinking determines what you say and how you behave. Amen. Watch this now. And so if your mind is ever going to change, if, if you're going to receive the new operating system to go along with the new spirit that He put in you, you're going to have to cooperate with Him in, in this reprogramming, line upon line, line upon line. This is why coming to church is so important. Amen. Let me get settled down here. But say, now watch this, okay? In the same way that God's trying to put a truth-based operating system in your life, Satan understands this better than most human beings understand this. He's trying to put other code in your life. He's trying to write other programs into your life that, again, produce automatic responses. That's the thing about a computer. It's designed, right, input, output, so that you put something into it, then it processes it and puts something out that you desire on the other side. That's the simplicity. I mean, if you went to school to learn computer programming, that's where they would start with you. Input, output, right? Garbage in, garbage out. Anybody ever heard that one? Right? Okay. So Satan is wanting to put garbage in. He's wanting, um, when I say garbage, I'm, I'm not just talking about filthy, nasty things of this world. Those are things that, that, that most Christians try to defend against. We, 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 you know, we think, you know, pornography and, and, and bad things, whatever. We're going to, we're going to keep that out, right? But the devil, obviously, if he can use that against you, he will. But he's more interested in writing, like, lines of code in your heart that will produce the output of worry. He's trying to write codes uh, of thinking and thoughts in your mind that will produce the output of anxiety and depression and uncontrollable anger, dominant negative emotions. You hear me this morning, right? Right? And so, this, watch this now. This, this is, so let's go back to it. So, 
I, I could have guessed all kinds of things, but I really believe the Holy Spirit said this. I, again, you pray about it, seek it out. He said the operating system Satan is trying to install in people's minds, hearts, line upon line, line upon line, is a mammon-based operating system. So he, he don't want his name on it. Are you just what I'm saying? He, the devil doesn't want his name on it. He, he, because again, people, oh, that's the devil, you know, all kinds of superstitions, people and all these other things, right? And, and so the devil just, he remains in the background hidden, right? And so he's not, he's, he's wanting, he knows if he can get you to choose any other God besides God, you really just made a choice for him anyway. If he can get you to listen to anything or anybody other than God, you're listening to him. Amen. And so he's, he's worked Listen to me now. When we talk about this, this programming code, right, these things that are programmed into you, have you not figured out by now that different generations who went through different things look at the world differently than, than other generations? Am I right about it? It's because their life experiences, that's one of the most powerful things Satan uses if you let him. And again, but God uses those as well. But some of the most powerful things that Satan uses to, to program our minds and our thinking according to his mammon-based system, is the things that we experience in life. Things that we experience in life. Some of these things can be so profound that just the smell of something will set a person off. I was, I, my first few years of school, they weren't my most pleasant. I did well in school, but I, you know, um, they, they talk about little kids crying to go to kindergarten. I said, I was still crying in eighth grade. What are you talking about, man? I just, I didn't, I didn't, I just didn't enjoy it. And we teased John Mark about this. You know, he was little. He took that after his daddy. And, and uh, Jake was kind of poking at him. I was poking at him one day. He just looked at it. He said, love my mammy, bro. You know what I'm saying? I just want to be my mama. You know what I'm saying? Um, it, but now watch this. I'm at an antique store in Franklin, Tennessee uh, with my darling wife. And, and um, I'm just looking around, you know, trying to. And I see this old metal lunchbox. And I reach up and I pull it off the shelf and I set it down. And I thought, man, I didn't have one exactly like this, but I had one similar to this. And I reached, and that sound, it's a, it, I can't even, but you know what I'm talking about, that those things come down. And then I opened it, and the smell, it wasn't, a, it's, it's one like, it wasn't that. But I'm telling you, it was third grade again at North Highland Elementary School. It's that it's there's something about that closed up metal. I don't know whatever metal. In other words, see that. So why did why did I have that? I mean, it was, I could even feel like the anxiety of it. You know, the the that, that hold there for just a moment. And listen, some of you who have dealt with very very serious um, PTSD and things of that nature, I'm I'm not trying to compare my situation to yours, but it's the same, just on different degrees and levels. Things that we experience that wrote code into our mind and thinking that now produce an automatic response. See, some of you that way, music is that way. Please be careful with the music you listen to. Because, man, you, you can hear a song 50 years later and all of a sudden you're at your high school prom again. Looking for the punch. You know what I'm saying? It's like, whoa, hold on a second. Whoa, hold on a second. Hold on a second here. Okay? Amen. So it's, it's, again, it's, it's this reprogramming because your spirit's been made new. It's, it's, it's the hardware in this whole equation. But now we have the, the operating system 
the programming, if you will. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Um, amen. I'm, I got, amen, there's, if I started something else, it'd be too long. We get, we're doing communion together. Let, let, me, let me just try to talk to you for a minute or two longer, okay? Are you still with me? All right. So we said last week that this, this mammon-based operating system, mammon, for those of you who don't understand, is, is a, um, Jesus said you can't serve God and mammon. Now, a lot of times we, we say money for mammon, but mammon is money put into God form, G-O, lowercase g-o-d form. Um, and we'll talk more about that in, in, the, in the days ahead. But Jesus, in his earthly ministry, and as he continues that ministry to you and me through the Holy Spirit and the Holy Word of God today, he was wanting to expose, he was wanting to expose in the disciples' hearts the trust that they had put in money. See, this is one of the ways that Satan, again, exposing him, his methods, his schemes, his strategies, okay? He will let you think you're getting away with it. And then at the most inopportune time of your life, jerk the rug out from under you. Now, I'm talking to a lot of people in this room, online, I'm not trying to bring up any kind of negative things in your life, but if you, if you look at some of the hardest falls that you've ever had in your life before Jesus, amen, hopefully not too many after Jesus, but, but before Jesus, amen, you, you, didn't, you didn't fall, you know, from a low place of the ditch to a lower place of the ditch. You understand what I'm saying? In other words, you fell from a place that things were actually going pretty well in your life and then, you know, we see this in the nation of Israel. God, it became so predictable that God said, look, this is what's going to happen. I'm going to bless you. You're going to forget about me. Your enemies are going to overtake you. You're going to cry out to me. I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to bless you. You're going to forget about me. You're in, and there was just this, this, this up and down, back and forth, right? But see, that's, that's what Satan, um, be careful when you think you, take heed when you think you stand. Be careful when you think you stand, lest you fall guarding against pride and things of this nature. But Jesus knows, and I think that's one of the reasons he's saying it to us now, is that especially here in the United States of America, the church has put so much of her confidence in money and in the federal government and, and in, um, uh, which is, by the way, uh, Herod, <laughs> Are you following me? That would be the leaven, amen, of Herod. And, and Jesus is trying to expose that and root that out. Why? Because he knows that there's coming a day when money ain't going to help you. But when you've put all your eggs in the mammon-based operating system of this world and then mammon can't fix it, you don't know where to go. You don't know where to turn. And so what, what do people normally do? They start crying out to God. And I'm not saying you shouldn't do that, but so many times the heart is in such a condition at that point that we cry out to God and God is, 
wisdom is crying out to us from the street corners, but we can't hear him. Our hearts become so dull and so hardened. God's trying to help you. It's not that he says, well, you didn't, you didn't come to me when I asked, so you can just forget. No, it's like, I'm trying to help you, son, but your heart's so hard you can't even hear me speaking to you. I'm trying to help you, son, but your heart's become so hard you think I'm your problem. I'm trying to help you, son, but your heart's become so hardened to the, to the things of God because you... Listen, he didn't say... He didn't, Jesus didn't say, um, if you love mammon, that he'll be you know, sitting in the waiting room until you realize mammon ain't going to do it for you, right? No, he said, if you love mammon, to love one is to despise the other. To love one is to hate the other. Now, see, we, the devil, that's another one of his areas of deception. We, we don't think that's the case, right? But, but it is the case. And that's why so many people, they, that, they put all their trust in things other than God the rug gets jerked out from under them and they start blaming God. Amen. Amen. Matt, Vanessa, Daniel, y'all come on. Um, Brother Randy Pops, amen, and, and the men that are going to help serve communion, if you would come, please. Amen. 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 I'm so thankful for you this morning. Thank you for being here. Such a beautiful group of, of men and women, young and old. And I'm just so excited about what God is, is doing and what he's saying to us. And